Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey guys, it's Blot Harris here, another Panther Rants podcast. It's a uh, Thursday, getting close to the weekend, and we're getting close to the uh, holiday. I mean, uh, like I said, all next week my kids got their freaking Christmas programs and they're done on the 20th. And, you know, today I'm having my, we're having our Christmas lunch at work. And I think, you know, last year she let us work from home, our boss... She let us work from home pretty much, I think from like December, like maybe 17th till like uh, mid-January. So I'm sure it's going to happen this time, but for me, I'm on call this this time around. So I'll probably go to the office anyway to work because as much as I love being around family and kids, too many distractions usually. Anyways, guys, not, it's been a pretty slow pit news dump, for, to say the least. Pitt's obviously making the rounds. The staff is they're, um, doing their in-house visits with um, recruits. And, you know, they obviously they lost a recruit not too long ago. And they may be on the verge of losing another one. And supposedly it's, it's, it's another one of their coveted recruits and... I mean, it's, it's just what happens when, you know, the season ends and Lever 10th, because I believe, you know, there's, there's two dates for Lever and, Lever and 10th day and there's your, there's the early period and there's the late, the later one. <clears throat> so we're going to see a lot more of this because that's coming up. So they, you know, these kids got to make their decisions and a lot of these kids, if you remember back in the summer, back in, I think, June or July, Pitt pretty much wiped the floor with recruits grabbed a whole bunch but of course a lot of, a lot of them got offers in camp but as the season goes on the stock goes up and of course they're probably you know they're probably here from a more more attractive I guess uh, suitors and for some you know they may have had interests of other schools but they just, but just didn't like the coaching staff wasn't crazy about it now that, now that there's new staffs and what and whatnot. They now can uh, revisit the, the things, which is what you know, which is why you know, Kadri Jackson, maybe like a few days after he decommitted from Pitt, he goes to, to Mac Brown at UNC. Mac Brown's going to be a problem to recruit against in the ACC for the time being because of all the because he was a hell of a recruiter at Texas. But one thing about Mac Brown is. He, um, what people forget is he left Texas in a, an absolute an absolute mess. I mean, they were a lot worse off than when he took over. In the end, I mean, they were you know they were mediocre. When he took them over. I mean, they you know they, they were they were competitive in the Southwest Conference, 
But that league was was very weak at one point, and you know when they got to the Big Twelve, things got tougher. But you know they were you know still somewhat a mediocre program, but you know they were still Texas. He he finally builds them up. You know he had you know he had Major Applewhite, Chris Chris Sims, all those guys, Ricky Williams, and eventually. The program took off. And then he had Vince Young, and the rest was history. They won a national title, and then, like a few years later, they won one with the. Well, they didn't win a national title. They went to the national title game with Colt McCoy. Colt got hurt in that game, and then rather than. You know. Come back in the game, he uh, sat out because of his draft stock, and he only. He ended up going only third round anyway, and of course he he hasn't done dick in since then. He's been a glorified backup for for the most part. But um, after that, Matt got very lazy in recruiting because the thing about Texas is that program at one point was recruiting itself. And just as you know, Levin Tente came with people rapid the, the the class before. The new class, he already had he already had them he he would have that already wrapped up before summer. And the thing about recruiting is you never stop recruiting no matter what. Well they stopped recruiting. So all those really good players that just came out of nowhere that they wouldn't they would not recruit because they already had players locked in. They went elsewhere and that's and that's why you had so many uh Big 12 programs start to blossom. That's why that's why Baylor did so well. Because uh, a lot of the kids that they uh, were getting, Texas was st- Texas wasn't recruiting. They stopped because they stopped recruiting. And of course, Texas Tech with Mike Price, those guys started to do really well. You know, they were contenders until I uh, they fought. You know, Jesus Christ, Mike Leach. I get Mike Leach. I don't know why I get freaking the, the, old, the old coach from Bama and went to the strip clubs with Mike Leach. I mean, yeah, you know, they're kind of similar in some ways. I mean, they're, they're characters at one point. But yeah, that's why Mike Leach and Texas Tech got really good. It's because Texas just stopped recruiting and eventually it just uh, rooted its ugly head. And Texas started to be really bad and then you know, Brown obviously had to, you know, leave. Charlie Strong takes over, and he tries to rebuild the, you know, the, the talent. And he did, but it just, uh, he just didn't have the coaching to go with it. So, that's why Tom Herman's there. <clears throat> Tom Herman will obviously... I think he'll he'll get Texas back to you know respectability, but I'm not sure if they'll be a I'm not sure if they'll be a powerhouse like they were before. You know, like people said they were at one point. But I think with uh, with Pitt, you know, if I'm if I'm Pitt, I'm telling these recruits, yeah, Mac is Mac did so well at Texas, but look what happened to him when he left and he, uh, what a disaster it was. You know, and I think if Mac has learned from his mistakes. I think North Carolina's going to take a bigger nosedive eventually than what uh, it did under Fedora. 
So, all I can say with that is stay tuned because you know what? Obviously, Mac has has maybe starting to get some swagger, but his team has yet to take the field, so we won't know much until they take the field. Hopefully, Pitt beats them this time. That's all I can say. So, you know, one person posted the, uh, he posted the recruiting classes for Pitt and the rankings, and I guess under our doozy, they've, they've gone down drastically, and Well, it's hard because of what they're, you know, <clears throat> I think what they need is they got a lot of Big Ten shields and, you know, I mean, which, you know, I guess is good and bad, but you need some guys with some ACC pedigree, some guys who can go to these Atlanta coasts and have these relationships and then go recruit places and sell it. I mean, Pitt's obviously, Pitt's obviously done well in Florida, but the problem with Florida kids is they can be hard to recruit because when other schools from the uh, south come knocking finally they start to listen because if they if they don't have to go to Pittsburgh to uh, play ACC football they, will, they won't they'll go to North Carolina, they'll go to Georgia heck they'll even stay in Florida if they have to so anyways it's, it's just a lot of damn if you do, damn if you don't So, as far as that, as far as all that goes, guys, I can just say stay tuned to it. You know, we saw the bowl game yet. And next week, I'll probably, uh, I'll review the pit season. And, you know, <clears throat> I'll probably do one where it's the positive one. I'll do the negative one. Yeah, I'll have to figure that format out. Probably for, I'll do that next week. Probably right before, yeah, be good right before Christmas. But anyways, guys, other uh, hot topics is Mike Tomlin. Obviously, you know, you know after the you know the Oakland loss, I'm seeing a lot of takes, and a lot of people bringing up records and stats and whatnot. Because you know, basically, the consensus is we gotta get rid of Mike Tomlin. Is what it is. The thing about Mike Tomlin is to get rid of him is going to be very hard to do. Well, one thing, because one thing is, it's you know, all boils down to what the Rooneys want to do. And um, looking back, I remember when I used to, you know, I was, a, you know, my, my family is still got Steelers season tickets. I was going to the games in the 90s. I went, I went, I went to all the Stewart home games for probably 88, uh, probably 2008, 2009, I remember, it's, you know, that's when I, you know, that's, 2008 is pretty much from the last time I went to the home games, and, you know, so, that was my time, and, yeah, I did that for about 20 years, shoot, time flies, but, um, I just remember, when things started to go really bad for Bill Cower, and that was back in 98, the Steelers took a nosedive that season, and then the next year it got it got progressively worse. I mean, they uh, both both years they start off with winning records, but then they 
there was a certain loss where they just took a nosedive. Uh, obviously, the one was you know for, in '98 was the Thanksgiving uh, Day game with the heads tails. Pit, you know, Stewart's lost that game. And I think at the time they were seven and four, and they lost and they they lost the rest of the year. I remember they didn't win a single game after that. And there was a lot of turmoil. You know, Coward benches Cordell. I remember. And Cordell crying on the sidelines. Then uh, the next year, they start out 5-3, and three, I remember. They lose to Cleveland, really, in, in, the, in the closing seconds. And they, they only won one game the rest of the year. And it was against freaking Carolina, I remember. But, uh, you know, Cowart, he put all of his eggs in the Cordell. And I know he, I mean, the guy, he, he really, Cowart really loved Cordell. I mean, I mean, he had a really good relationship with Cordell. And and I think Cowart really wanted Cordell to succeed in this league. Because it was a league of pro, pro passers. And it's funny when people talk about how Michael Vick revolutionized the quarterback game. And how he was mobile, this and that. Cordell was about as mobile as Vic was, if not more. It's just he didn't run as much as Vic, Vic did. But at the time, it was more—it was a pro-style pocket passer league, and we didn't really adapt much to Cordell. I mean, there was so much you could have done with Cordell, and we didn't—you know—I don't think we did enough with him that we should have. In today's game, now he would be a real—you know—he would—he'd be—you know—he would definitely. Uh, do very well. I mean, he was even back in that time. He was he was at the MVP of the league one year, and I think he would. I mean, his, I think he'd be you know even more bet, bet bigger than that. I mean, he should have had at least one Super Bowl, and that was the 2001 game, and that was all all kind of disaster disaster. I mean, Cordell had a bad game, but that whole team did for the most part. That was one year. I mean, that was the first one Super Bowl the Steelers should have won. It was that one, and they didn't. That was a really good team that year. They, that's what they, they just had it all together. But uh, after that '99 season, there was rumors of Cowards resigning, and and there was a lot of you know a lot of stuff. His personal life came up. And a lot, and I think I think none of none of it was true. And same with Cordell as well. There was personal, there was his personal life came up as well. That's how bad things were. And with Cowher, it died. But the problem with Cordell is his rumors have followed him ever since he, he left. They've they followed him everywhere he goes, and he still has to, to you know. I guess the, you know address them every time. You know, I mean, I remember he was on with Colin Dunlap. That's all he talked about was the, you know his rumors about his sexuality. I mean, I mean, it really, I guess, from I guess, you know, it still to this day troubles him. But uh, after those two two bad seasons, you know, they, we got we got rid of Tom Donahoe, and that was it. Uh, we went through several coordinators, Bray Sherman and uh, Kevin Gilbride, until we found a coach who could work with uh, Cordell. And of course, and of course, that well would run, would run dry after 2001 because teams 
eventually caught on. In 2002, we had to replace Cordell with Tommy Maddox, and that was that. But Eric Cowher's you know, tenure, anytime we've had underperforming seasons, we've had sh- coaching changes. I mean, 2003, I mean, we were 6-10, and 10 and, you know, Tim Lewis, they got rid of Tim Lewis, and we brought back Dick LeBeau, and Mike Malarkey took a head coaching job somewhere else, and, you know, that was that. I mean, so, I mean, in the case of, you know, so in those cases, I mean, after, I mean, 99, by today's standards, Cowher probably would have been fired anywhere. But uh, this, you know, the Rooney's held on to them. And that's the thing with Tomlin is they're going to hold on. They're they're, just, they're they're very loyal, and I think they're going to hold on to Tomlin. And if anything, they're going to probably, you know, if things go really south, they'll probably just make some coaching changes. And that's all they can do. I mean, if they're underperforming, then get rid of guys. But, I mean, I mean, I mean, I... What really gets me is through all this crap and through all these uh, things that are happening with the Steelers, I find it odd that, that, that of all the people, that, the kicker has to re-audition for his job again. I mean, personally, if I'm Boswell, I mean, Boswell's a Rice graduate, for God's sakes. Boswell really doesn't even need the money because he could probably go somewhere and go make a, go make a hundred grand a year. So I mean, if I were him, shoot, I would just, I would just take, I would just ask for my buyout, whatever, what money I can get from my contract, and I would just say, you know what, go ahead, go find another kicker. Because up until this point, he's done pretty well, so I don't get it. I just don't think he should, of all the people, he should be one being, one being held accountable. I get that he's, you know, his some of his you know, kicks have cost him games, but a lot, you know, a lot of these other guys need to be held accountable as well. But the problem is, is the talent on this team overall sucks so bad that they can't really hold anybody accountable because you can't, you can't bench somebody. I mean, you're going you're to bench the sucky guy for the even more suckier guy. And there you have it. But, you know, they created that mess and, you know, I think you know, you also got to bring Kevin Colbert to the plate as well and figure out why you know why why is our why are we drafting so bad and why are guys not panning out? And that's all he can do. So I mean, it's going to take a lot for Tomlin to get fired. I don't see them firing Mike Tomlin at all. And of course, if he does get fired, you know, social media will go in an uproar over it as well. Although I don't think the steers really care about what Twitter thinks about those matters as well. Because, you know, Twitter doesn't really pay their salary. Season ticket holders do, and that's that. So, we'll see what happens, and this is a big game, obviously, you know, this week, and New New England, uh, they came off a heartbreaker, so they're going to be pretty pissed off, and, well, there you have that. All I can hope for is that the Steelers can uh, stop raiding company and get some points on the board and not screw themselves over. But anyways, guys, there's a part of that mess done. But uh, other than that, there's really not much going on. I mean, uh, you know, speaking of Pirates, you know, Neil Huntington, I guess, turned down a 
a job in the Giants, which you know would have been a really good job for him, but he wants to stay stay in Pittsburgh. And I know people hate him, but I think he overall he's done pretty well for what he's what he has. And I'm not sure you know what they've done. It's part of his doing as well because when they were at the when they were at their height, they should have uh, made some moves and got some players in because. I find out that a lot of players that they did have and they got rid of, they ended up on playoff teams, or and some of some of them ended up in you know winning World Series, winning World Series rings. I mean, they had Charlie Morton, and you know Mark, Morton's been you know mediocre for most of his career, but he really surged with the Astros, and this past year he was fifteen and three, and he had over two hundred strikeouts, I think, and. I mean, ever. I mean, that World Series run that they had. I mean, Game Seven against the New York Yankees, he had the pitch, and people laughed because they said, "Ha ha ha!" Charlie Morton's got a freaking pitch against the Yankees. The Astros had to rely on Charlie Morton. Morton shut down the Yankees, and then Game Seven, the World Series, he came. He comes in relief, shuts down the Dodgers, and that's that. I mean, after, after that, the guy was just on another world. I mean, he just every time he got, got on that mound, he was just confident as can be. And I, you know, and I hope when he, you know, he signed a two-year, thirty million dollar deal. And I guess a lot of the Astros faithful were all pissed off that he let that, that, that the Astros let him go. You know, I hope you know whatever you learn in Houston, he takes it with him to Tampa Bay. I mean, the guy's 35, so you can't really put much too much money into a 35-year-old pitcher. I mean, and he had Garrett. The Astros also had Garrett Cole, and Cole had an awesome season as well. I mean, they loved him here in Houston as well. You know, there's. I mean, there was other pirate players as well that got rings, and it's just odd that. Uh, that happened. I mean, you know, Kutch obviously is you know, with the Phillies now. He was in the playoffs with the Yankees. You know, Kutch had 20 homers, 65 RBIs last year, and he got a pretty big, big contract. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd pay that much for you know for what he has, but other than offensive output, he can do a lot of other stuff. So, if that's the case, then you know that's it's their money. So hopefully, it works out for Philly. But who knows? Hopefully Philly will get a ring. But I mean, that, that was a time when the the Pirates should have struck when the iron was hot, and they didn't. And I think it's come back to bite them. And then now they're re, now they're rebuilding again. And that's why I'm with the Astros in the 2017. They had a really good team, but they were one uh, ace away from winning the World Series. And there was you know, and you know, certain local media people were screaming for them to for them to make a deal for Verlander and it took some time but after discussions they you know the ownership gave the gave them the green light to go deal uh, to put their um, to go all in for Verlander and they did and without Verlander they're not, they don't win that World Series and it worked out for both parties Verlander, Verlander got his ring and the Astros got their ring but uh You know, enough of that. Also, with uh, pit hoops, you know they uh, 
we just had another player leave. Um, Peace. I'm not gonna say his last name because I'm, I'm gonna botch it. He leaves the program, and you know, I think with the Stallings kids now, they're great kids. I'm, I'm happy they stayed and they competed, but ACC is another animal, and these guys just don't have it. And I think you know. They're realizing it now, and they're leaving. I think there'll be more. I think there'll be more to come. I mean, I think I think Sham Stevenson will probably leave too, which is which sucks because I thought I liked Sham last year, and I thought he had a lot of potential to be really good. But um, maybe you know. But I think he's gonna be the next to go as well, and that's you know that's a shame, but it's it's part of life. You know. I mean, when your when your uh, best players or guys or guys that pretty much are freshmen, that's what happens. But uh, hopefully, it works out for Pitt here because they're gonna need all the help they can get. Anyways, guys. Oh, you know what? I forgot one last thing to talk about. I'm, I was about to leave. The Heisman voting. I forgot to talk about this. One thing that um, you know, Sean Salisbury told you know told me one time on the on his radio show is well, not me personally, but what I heard on Sean Salisbury's show, I should reword that like 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 I'm like I'm some sort of you know media guy or something. Like, oh yeah, I talk to Sean all the time. No, Sean mentioned one thing that the Heisman voters do is they mail in their ballots before Championship Week weekend. And I thought that that um, I thought that Tua from Alabama was going to win it based on that, but I was just shocked to see that Colin Murray cleaned house. And people are pissed off over this, but uh, you know, Tua had a lot of talent around him, and obviously he was one of the better quarterbacks of the year. But he went against Georgia and he struggled and. He was then knocked out of the game. That happens. I mean, he just... That's just a blemish there. And, you know, Kyler Murray was a pretty, you know, was pretty good for most of the year. And he always put up good production. And and people said, well, you know, he played against in a league that has no defense. And that's true, but I don't know. You get to the best player. Always go, the Heisman doesn't always go to the best player, and we know that personally because look at uh, Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, it's it's today's the you know the 15 year anniversary when he got screwed over, and I can understand the whole national media, a lot of those guys voting for Jason White, but the local media voting voting him was was total was total bush league and bullshit, and I hate when the when a local media questions Pitt's uh, Pitt fans' loyalty to their program. They're so quick to call out our fan attendance when they don't even freaking support Pitt when when need when we need them. And that was a time where we need the local media to cast our votes for Larry Fitzgerald and they didn't. If Larry Fitzgerald wore blue and white, he would have got the votes. There's no doubt. And they can sit there and they can cry they can get mad about all they want. But if he wore blue and white, he would have got the he would have got the votes. He would have definitely got the votes. 
Same in West Virginia as well. And I forget why, and you know, Ron Cook had his reasons for it, and I think Bob did as well. And of course, Bob was doing it at a time where, you know, where it was all right to stir the pot. Because this is when Mark Madden came on, and this is when he was at his height in Pittsburgh. Madden loved to stir the pot and go against the grain and take different opposing, you know, devil's advocate things. And that's what a lot of these guys started doing because, it, you know, because they, they knew that's what got, that's what got them attention. But it was total bullshit. I mean, it was garbage. Larry Fitzgerald was the best player in college football of the year, regardless of the record. But hey, you know, we got to stir the pot. You know, we got, oh, you just can't vote for Larry because of this. You know, Jason White moves the needle. I mean, it's just it's, it was a bunch of crap. And, and like like I said just now, I mean, if he if he, uh, I'm sure the, I'm sure these guys are butthurt because Trace McSorley, you know, didn't get didn't get in the Heisman bout because they would have they would have tripped all over themselves to vote for McSorley. Hell, they, I'm sure they voted for Larry, Larry Johnson first place. But I mean, let's cut the BS. They, you know, if Larry, if Larry would have played anywhere else, whether it was West Virginia or, or Penn State, they would have voted for him. They would have gave him a first place vote. You know, I'm not sure what Steve Pearson or Norty or whoever was did the piss in their wheeze at that time. But that's just, you know, that's how it was. I know I know at one point there was bad blood between Pitt and the PG because I guess during the uh, Dixon hiring when, Dick, when the decision was made to hire Dixon that morning there was two papers that came out. The Tribune Review had the article on Dixon being selected. The Post Gazette still had was still talking about Pitt's coaching search, and basically Pitt gave the news to the the Tribune, not the PG. And I remember there was a lot of there was a lot of lashing out from the local columnists against Pitt. I think Samizic came on Man Show. I remember and trashed Pitt up and down. And I think him and Cook also wrote some nasty articles about about Pitt. <clears throat> and I think you know there were some. I mean, and up until then, there were some there were some negative articles being written about Pitt. And I think Pitt didn't have an AD at the time because Peterson was gone. And you know what? A lot of this is making sense now because you know what? Two thousand three is when they hired Dixon and then later that year is when they so I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some bad blood there some painness but I think at that time the pit, I think I think you know pit leadership was tired of their bullshit and decided to uh, you know decided to put, the, put them in their place and of course in the end it may, it may have cost us Heisman votes who knows anyways enough of the JFK stuff have a weekend, guys. Settle pit.